What is up, guys? Cody and Matt here. Fourth base podcast, episode number 11. It's, uh, what, the 2nd of December, recording on Sunday night. Uh, this is probably the, uh, the most excited I've ever been to do a podcast tonight. Um, for those of you listening, follow us on Twitter, DM us, let us know what you think. Uh, looking for some feedback, and honestly, other than a couple people that I know are listening, there's some people that are listening that I'm not aware of. So we'd uh, like your guys' feedback. My Twitter handle is Jack in the Box eighty five. Matt's is Matt Bechtolt. So hit us up. Let us know what you guys think. So let's get right to it. Uh, shock shitless, man. Josh Donaldson of the Braves signed him for twenty three million, one year deal. I uh, are you really that surprised? I am. I just. Like, the Braves aren't the Red Sox. They're not the Dodgers. They don't sign big money like that, especially for, you know, I, I just I didn't see it coming. But everything about it makes sense. Like, this is his shot. To, one year, though. $23 yeah. million, like I said, is That's, not bad for one year. The positives of this are it's a one-year deal. Even if he gets hurt again, we're, we're down one year. That's it. It's not going to follow over. It's not, you know, a 10-year deal like when you're talking like Harper Machado where if something catastrophic happens, you're screwed. It's a one-year deal. If it works well for him, it works well for us. His numbers, I mean, if you look at his numbers from last year, when he came back completely healthy in Cleveland, I mean, it was a very small sample size, but you're talking 16 games, 50 at-bats, 5 home runs, a slash line of 284, 520, and a 920 OPS. If he does that for us, like, there's no way that we're not going to win the division. Uh, true. Those are, those are lofty expectations. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't expect him to go one home run every 10 at-bats. I don't expect that by any means. But, but anything close to these career numbers, the OPS yeah. of 874, anything over like an 850 OPS will be huge for that lineup and that team. I would expect, like, if I, if, like, in a perfect world, I would like him to hit, you know, 275, 280, somewhere right around there. If I could get 35 home runs, 100 RBI, and 100 runs, perfect world. Like, that's, that would be fantastic. That gives us a great shot. It shouldn't be that hard in that lineup if you, you, you had said something about this earlier where excluding a potential move for Michael Brantley, their top four in their lineup was now Acuna, Albies, Freeman, then Donaldson. Yeah. So it's not going to be too difficult, I don't think, for Donaldson to get 100 RBI. 100 runs, that would be awesome. I would like to see that. He's too. got, but he'll have protection. Like he'll give Freddie Freeman protection. you got to pitch to one of them. You've got a lefty-righty matchup there, too, which, which works awesome. on our benefit. So it makes it more difficult, you know, strategy-wise later in the game for you can't. It's not like where when it was Freeman and Marcakis, or even back in the day, Freeman, you know, with McCann, there you had two lefties. But it's it's in a, if it works out for him, it works out for us. If he has a, a fantastic year, no, there's no way we can sign him to some big long deal with a ton of money. Like I just read that. Anthopolis pretty much said that they're not they don't want to sign anybody over like a seven-year deal. And I don't know if he's just saying that to let everybody know, like, we're not signing Harper and Machado to 10-year deals, which makes me That's very, fine, very but, happy. But is Donaldson, I don't think Donaldson's looking for seven-plus years after this one-year deal. No, but what if he has, like, 
What if Honestly, you sign him for three years? If he's but, really, but if he, but if he puts up those numbers, like I mean, the only way we're going to be able to re-sign him is if he's hitting like you know maybe two fifty, two sixty, twenty, twenty-five home runs, seventy-five to eighty some RBI. You know, because that's the thing too is like he's not going to play every every single game. Like there's no way. And even Anthopolis has said like he wants to rest people because I think that was part of our problem to finish the season was yes we had you know that really really rough schedule to finish. But everybody played too much. Like Freeman, he played pretty much every day, which he's not going to break down. He's one of those guys that's just going to play every day, and he expects to. But, like, when Albies is playing almost every game, like, you've got to spell these guys. And that's the thing, too. Like, the only real negative that I see here is what does that do to Johan Camargo? Like, he he came up, and I said this when they signed Bautista, and they were going to try him at third base. I said, why? Why, unless he comes up and mashes and, you know, is back to old form, why not just let Camargo play? This is a free season for us. This is at that point in time before we really showed how competitive we were going to be. Right. But it was like, give the guy a shot. And he was a big part. I think he had uh, 17 home runs last year. I'm going to pull his stats up. but um, It's kind of smart, too, even though it's for one year to add a veteran to that team. Well, he wanted to come. like Freeman. He wanted to come to to Atlanta with Anthopolis being, you know, running the team. And we've got two trainers. I don't know their names. Sorry, guys. Um, two of the trainers that were in Toronto with him that are obviously familiar with him, that'll help keep them healthy too. Um, I, I don't – I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know, on the DL this year. But at the same time, like with the seven-day DL now and all that, like the way that you can rest people, you could sit them for, you know, if you've got three – like let's say you got five games in a seven-game – stretch put him on a seven-day DL you get him a whole week's rest and he's good to go but if I mean you're adding a lot of punch to that lineup for sure with him and especially like I I don't expect him to hit 40 home runs that would be awesome but I mean you're still adding a very very valuable piece to that numbers are pretty dynamite yeah and he's still he's 32 years old so I mean he should be like right in his prime as a hitter you know so I'm really his career slugging is over 500. That's really good. Yeah. So Johan Camargo, his WAR last year was a 3.7. His batting average was 272. He played in 134 games. He had, I'm sorry, 19 home runs, 76 RBI. He slashed 272, 349, 457, and his OPS was 806. Okay. So I mean, like that's that's kind of what my my only concern is is what does that do? And like he's that's above average. Yeah, but he's an athletic guy, and he's young. Like, that was his first full season. So, you know, he's hopefully going to develop more, and especially if he kind of bulks up just a little bit and adds some more punch to his bat, like, that you, he could be getting 25, 30 home runs. But that's the thing that, you know, you got to figure out. Is he one of those guys that can kind of bounce from position to position? Because he's an athletic guy. He played a really good third base, but you've, you can't get rid of him. Like, if anybody's going to get, like, sent away because of all this – I think it'll be Swanson, and I think that could be like a mid-season move if he's playing well. Like I don't want to see it happen, but that's something. And I think if you see like an extension happen with Donaldson, then someone's got to go. You can't just keep bouncing someone around like that. But then that also, we signed Brian McCann. Like that's not nearly as big of a move, but I'm really happy to see him back. One reason I am pissed about it is I literally just threw his jersey away that I had last year. And now he's back. And I saw that Charlie Culberson was giving his number back to him. Wow. Number 16. 
So the sheriff is back in town. I, uh, looking at his numbers from last year, he had 212, seven home runs. Like, I'm not excited about him coming back for the potential with his bat. He's a veteran guy. We've got a very young pitching staff, and you've got a veteran catcher now as well as Tyler Flowers. You can kind of platoon them righty-lefty. Usually you don't get a whole lot offensively out of most catchers. No. I mean, unless you've got, you know, that rare guy that there's four or five of in the league, you have to get some sort of production out of your catcher, and it's not going to be offensive. Like, and he's not great defensively either, but he gives you veteran leadership. He gives you balls in your fucking clubhouse. Like, I just, I think you saw that, I liked the tweet that I liked on there where it's that thing of him and uh, Carlos Gomez getting into it. Still my favorite Brian McCann memory of all time. I was very happy to see him get a uh, championship with the Astros last season. Um, but, I mean, look what he did for them. Like, you got the same, same concept. I'm not saying we've got the same team the Astros did. I think we're very different teams. But he gave you a strong veteran leadership in a very young clubhouse. And that's what we're getting out of him. He, he could have got a little bit more money somewhere else, but he wanted to come back to, to Atlanta. And they should be a really good offensive team, though. It's looking like and that's imagine if they sign Brantley. Yeah, like I, I think we talked about that like a while ago, when we I think our second or third to last podcast. But if they can get Brantley, I mean you're looking at you would go Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Donaldson. You'd have to go Brantley next, and then you'd be slotting Camargo in behind. Or Ryan Ciarte. He'd have to go back to the A-hole. Or, sorry, 7-hole. Unless you want to bat McCann and Flowers. Yeah, you'd bat McCann and Flowers 7. And then Ciarte, well, shit. But, I mean, that's that's the other thing, too. Like, the problem is then, like, is Swanson playing shortstop? Are you trying Camargo at shortstop? Because I think they're also, they also might try Camargo in the outfield. So, I don't know that. Like, at that point, if you can sign Brantley then I think you have to get rid of somebody. And then that's the crazy thing, too, is what if they get rid of Camargo for a pitcher? You know, that's going way, way too deep, I think, into that. Yeah, I think it'd be cool, though, to add that talent. I think that he would be, I mean, that would be one of the most fearsome offensive one through five in the National League, right? That line? I think in baseball. Yeah, to, okay, overall. I mean, you're getting in Acuna... And that's the other thing, too, to think about him in the future is you can't keep hitting him in leadoff spot, right? I mean, like we, I think we talked about that the one day where baseball's kind of in that weird phase where your leadoff guy isn't the, the old-school stereotypical leadoff guy that's going to get you, you know, 10 or less home runs, but he's going to hit 300 and steal you 30 bases. Right? Even in the Speedster. National League, and, and Blackman's a pretty good example yeah. from the Rockies. That's the new style of, yeah. like, it doesn't, you these don't guys can actually hit home runs. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to. Like, a, a leadoff home run is, to me, like, just as exciting, like, better off for you than a guy getting on first base to lead off the game. You know, those guys were used to, you're supposed to work the pitcher and all that. It's like now these guys are taking you deep on the first pitch of the game and putting you up one run. Yeah. It's just a little bit of a different style of baseball. But, I mean, you got, you're got you going to have to move him at some point, I would imagine. But right now, you've got Acuna there who's going to hit, you know, probably not 300. He's going to give you 275. He's going to hit, I mean, I would expect 30-plus home runs out of him this year. He's going to get you some doubles, some triples. He's going to steal some bases for you. 
And then you've got Albies, who, like I said, I don't think he's – I think his numbers are going to drop this year. I don't know that he'll hit 20 home runs. If he does, awesome. Um, but I don't know that he'll necessarily be the two-hole hitter all year. I think he'll have to kind of – I think he's going to have to shorten up a swing a little bit because he just – if I want his average and on-base percentage to be a little bit higher. I'd love to see him in the leadoff spot, but Acuna just did too well for us and carried us too well from the leadoff spot. But then Freeman, you know what you're getting out of him. You're going to get 300 batting average, if not more. You're going to get top 10 overall yeah. hitter. You're going to get – he was what, value. Four, uh, fourth or fifth in the MVP voting this year? And he would – I mean, he would have won last year, I think, if he didn't get hurt. But we've got a very deadly lineup, and that just leads into Donaldson. And then, like I said, if Camargo matures a little bit, I mean, that's a deadly lineup. So then from there, it's like, what do you need? And they're going to have to make a trade at some point because, you know, like with Corbin, Corbin's going to sign for more than seven years. Yeah, they need more pitching. Yeah, they, they, they've got to get – they said they want to get another bat and a front-line starter is what they want to get. So – yeah, we'll that would make a that here. would make a playoff team even better. Yeah, I mean right away. We yeah. lost Annabelle like I mean, it sounds shitty to say it, but we lost, we don't have Annabelle Sanchez, which was I think our game three starter. So our game four, one or the other. He was like our number four this year, but like we've got to replace him. And I don't see I see Corbin signing, you know, a longer term deal than like Keiko's going to, but Speaking of trades and the NL East, what the fuck are the Mets doing? Honestly, like that's my question. Like I am so dumbfounded at they're just called the LOL Mets, dude. I just what don't I see them talked about. They get Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, and they give up Jay Bruce and four prospects, who we're gonna get to in a minute. But they get three pitchers in an outfielder. They also got twenty million that the Mariners took on for uh, Cano's contract, so he still got five years, a hundred million dollars left on his contract. He's thirty six years old. That's what's left. That's what's left. Wow, he'll be playing through that contract when he's forty. Because it was a ten year, two hundred forty million dollar deal. Yeah, that's right. In twenty thirteen, you're right. That's through. So he'll be playing through twenty twenty three. So. Cool. This trade, him. this trade obviously is great for the Mariners, but I'm very confused for the Mets. Like Cano's numbers last year in 80 games, he had 10 home runs, 50 RBI, 44 runs, and a 2.9 WAR. OPS was 8.45, and his average was 3.03. So like I get that, yes. Like it's not like he wasn't contributing. 5.8 WAR. I mean, but that's if he plays every game. He's not gonna play 160. He's gonna play like. 140, something like that. So it's this, more, I mean, it's going to be But is he going to play that five, It's going to be over five. Is he going to stay healthy, though? Yeah, this is just last year. Do you remember? But he's not on PEDs anymore. Exactly. So nobody knows. So what happens? What are you going to get out of him? Ryan Braun. But yeah. I mean, but what happens? Like, and I get that the Mariners stadium sucks for hitters, but at the same, like, what are you going to get out of Cano? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Without taking those PEDs, and what happens? Like you got to figure that those effects aren't immediately going to wear off. Like it wasn't like last year; it was just like, oh, I got busted. Now I'm not taking them anymore. 
now everything should be out of his system. He's been back to a regular workout regimen. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to affect him at some point, too. Yeah. So then what happens when his power dips even more than it than it did already, and then that starts affecting his average, and now you're paying $20 million a year for a guy to give you a 275 average with 15 home runs, and, you know, like, that's... I say it's in the not short worth term for the money. I say in the short term for the Mets, it's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal, but they are nobody knows what the Mets are thinking about. They, they, that's do you, you want, mentioned this earlier? The Mets are definitely in a win now. This kind was of mode, supposed to show them that they're in a win now. So Cano is going to be productive, I think, for two years, maybe on that contract. The last three, he'll be I don't know, dead weight maybe. And maybe they'll try to get rid of him, but I I don't know. Maybe they're banking on. There's no way they're banking on him being above average for all five okay. of those years. We'll we'll get back. Into, to, we'll he, get back he, to into, my, you know when he's into his forties. Yeah, we'll get back to my bashing of the Mets here in a minute, but we'll just discuss the rest of the uh, the the details of this deal. So Diaz, obviously, him and Trinan, I think, are the two best closers in baseball right now. He he won reliever of the year, fifty five saves. I understand why you went after him, but what good is a closer on a team that won seventy seven games? Like we discussed this last week, seventy seven games. That's all you won. There's no way in hell he's he's getting fifty five saves <laughs> out of seventy seven. If that happens, like I don't I don't know what I'll do, but. The Mariners. There's no way all those games were safe situations. No, no way in hell. So on the other side, the Mariners they got Jay Bruce, who has what three years, thirty nine million left, so thirteen million a year basically. I mean that's not that's not hateful, but his numbers he had like what like low two thirties or something like that last year. So I mean what you get out of him is what you get out of him, but his numbers are going to be deflated a little bit playing in Seattle. But then they got a pretty good hole for him for them too. I think. Uh, Jared Kelnick, the outfielder, he was the sixth pick last year. That they're rebuilding, that's great for them. He was the uh, third ranked prospect in the Mets system, and he's number sixty two overall in baseball. And then they got Justin Dunn, who was a first round pick in sixteen. He was their fourth prospect, or fourth not ranked prospect, and he's eighty nine in baseball. So they got right there. Two top one hundred guys. Two guys that will probably play at some point this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe Mariners not. Won't, they won't be a good team this year. They yeah, really but won't. I don't think they're going to rush them either. Like they're not if they're getting rid of you know Paxton, Diaz, Cano, all these guys. They're not going to rush these guys. I mean, you'll see them. They'll be good here in a couple years or whatever. But then they also got two relievers in Anthony Swarzik and Gerson Bautista. But I don't. I just don't get it. Like everything that you're seeing about the Mets is. This deal is saying that they want to win now. And that's fine and dandy. I get that. But my problem is, is the very next thing that I read says that the Mets are going to trade Cindergard to get some prospects. And they'll probably get three or four prospects out of Cindergard, like good prospects. And then the very next thing I read says that they're going to trade for Kluber. Yeah, I think Cindergard has good value. So I don't deny that they would probably, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. But this is my question. Why would you why would you make that deal if you're trying to win now? Why would you trade Noah Syndergaard right now if you're trying to win now? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And the thing that that irritates me is like sometimes you can just read stuff and be like, 
there's no way in hell that's happening. Like, that's like a fairy tale world you're living in. Why'd you even report this, like, official shit? I don't know what the fuck to believe when I read shit about the Mets. Honestly, it doesn't make sense to me. It's interesting because you see two teams last year. One team was better than the other one, right? The Mariners were better than the Mets by, you know... I mean, still by a lot. 15 games, probably, at least. So, they are... You could see they are now in the middle of full-blown rebuild mode. Yeah. And they still won probably 85 to 90 games last year. The Mets won 77. And that was with... And they're not in rebuild mode. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing I guess I don't understand is, like... All right, I'm just going to put all that shit, like, all the rumor shit aside. Just based off of what has happened and looking looking at this deal and this deal alone. Yeah, you didn't mention the division either. No, and that's what I'm getting to is the Mets, like, you're not talking, like, with this deal, they're now a World Series favorite or even, like, a favorite to win the NL. You're not even going to get out of your division with that deal being made. Even if you get, let's say you were to get a 320 average, 30 home runs, and 100 RBI out of Robinson Cano, how many games is that going to get you? Eight extra games, maybe? Bringing you up to, what, 85? 84, 85 games? That's not winning you the division. The Braves have one of the best lineups in baseball already. We haven't even discussed the Nationals, who we'll see if they end up with Harper or whatever, but they still are. They still have a Fantastic pitching. You know they're going to be good. They're just they're a well-run franchise for the most part. They they're you know they're going to be in in competition. You're not even going to win the division, and we're not even talking about the Phillies, who were right there with us last year but fizzled out just faster than we did. Yeah, and they're going to spend money. They've made it abundantly clear that they're going to spend money. They could potentially land Harper or Machado or both. Imagine if the Phillies sign Harper and Machado. How insignificant does this deal look like with if that were to happen? Yeah, the Phils won't get both those guys, but they they'll immediately improve with one of them. Yeah, even if you got one of them, that still that puts the Mets still at third best fourth case best, best, best case scenario probably. is third best in yeah. the NL East over the Nats. It doesn't yeah, I mean, make it's any not a guarantee sense. that Philly will be. I mean, no, but they're that, ready to spend much money. Better. Yeah. They're either going to win should big improve. or flop. But it just, that's what doesn't make sense to me. And then, like, I, I just, I'm so stuck on reading that they're going to trade center guard and then they're going to get Kluber. Like, I understand why if they wanted to get Kluber. But why the hell would you trade center guard? Why would you trade center guard for prospects? If you're trying to win now, you don't trade one of your top guys. If they're trying for to prospects. win now and they're willing to spend money, they should be trying to sign Kluber. I don't know, without getting rid of Syndergaard. Yeah, that would you make... have the top three rotation in baseball. One, two, I mean, three. that would have to be... Well, but that's the thing, too. And like, a good closer now. That yeah. would make you a contender right away. DeGrom, DeGrom has to regress next year. I would imagine that his win total would go up, but his other numbers have to drop. Like, right? There's just no way. But if you think that Syndergaard is going to be more healthy next year... Then that you know that makes up for the re, you know potential regression coming from yeah. Degrom. Yeah, so, but then you also what are the odds that you're going to get what was it twenty nine starts out of Zach Wheeler? What are the odds you're going to get twenty nine starts out of him again? Low, just his, very low. 
he's he's just been one of those guys that can't stay healthy. So I mean, yeah, if like best case scenario is if you can get another you know twenty nine starts out of him, Degrom still pitches you know top three Cy Young vote type pitching, and you get Kluber, yeah, then that that worries me. Yeah. That's a scary team. Yeah, that's a scary team just based off the pitching. But there are too many ifs there because, unfortunately, center guard, for some reason, is one of those guys that just keeps getting stupid-ass injuries. And then Wheeler's always had injury problems. There's so always really bad. The, the, the Mets are known for being managed very poorly, and there's always something going on with their their medical treatment. Like the, the, the way that they take care of their athletes is like the, the worst of any other team. I mean, look at uh, Cespedes. Like, he's bad. They have no clue what they're doing. Yeah, it's like, I just don't get it. And to do this now, like, I just, I don't know. Like, you got to pick pick one side of the fence and stay on it. If you're going to, you don't you just don't trade your, your top guys for that. But I just, I don't think the it matters. The Mets are though. where most careers go to, to die. I mean, as sad as that is to say, in the last five years or so, that's definitely how it's been. Ever since they re- they reached the World Series Except for, uh, in like twenty thirteen, right? Something I think in so the last seven, in five yeah. to seven years. So since then it's been a Daniel it's been Murphy a train wreck. It's back when Harvey was in peak condition yeah. and looking good and that was yeah, since then it's been a train wreck. The dark night. Yeah. Well the Red's got him. Yeah. Well they he's a free agent now, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna re sign with Cincinnati. No. Which, interesting enough, was uh, linked to Dallas Keuchel. I read uh, him going to possibly the Blue Jays, the Nationals, or the Reds. Yeah, Reds can't sign him. They, I don't know if they, they might be able to afford him, but that they shouldn't because it wouldn't make them even a borderline contender right away. I think. And what, you, you said earlier they have a good offense, and yeah. they do. They have you know Suarez, you know, Suarez, Votto, Votto, Senzel's Senzel or whatever should be up. Votto had a down year offensively, but he still led the National League in on base percentage. Yeah. So that's I mean that's something. I think what the Reds need is they need that they need someone like Keiko to sign with them, and then hope that that will attract. Just, you know, even if you get one more decent guy out of it, maybe that's what it does. But, like, we've talked about them over and over and over again. If they can't develop their young pitchers, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they sign or who they have. They're never going to amount to shit. Because if you don't develop your pitchers, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, the, the Reds' goal next year should be to try to win half their games. Win about But, I mean, think games. about it, though. If you could get Keuchel, if you get someone like him, and, like, I get that he's not – Keuchel of, you know, 2015, I get that. But he gives you a veteran guy, a workhorse. He pitched how many innings? 204 last year. 34 starts is pretty good. 30, like, nobody starts 34 games, I feel like, anymore. So, like, that gives you a guy that you don't – that saves your bullpen every five days. You know he's going to go out and be competitive. And the thing that works, like, to me – the the whole Great American Ballpark being like, you know, home run alley, that's negated by the fact that he's a ground ball pitcher. So if there's anyone that's gonna be interested, like Corbin, like I wouldn't I wouldn't ever expect him yeah, to go play in Great American Ballpark. That's Got, true. Like guys that miss bats, if you get the bat, you they make contact, you're going deep in Great American Ballpark especially. And I read that I saw that his fastball was down from twenty four point something to like Barely over 90, 90.8. So I mean, 94? No, 20, like 92.4 oh. down to 90.8. So that's since 2015, like yeah. since he had Tommy John surgery. But, you know, 
he can't rely on only his slider when that's all he has from his fastball is you're going to see an average of 90. Yeah. You're not, uh, you can't consistently strike guys out like that. I mean, he had 246 Ks last Which is year. great, but I don't see that happening for that long of a period. I know he's young. I think he's only 29. Yeah, I mean, he's not that young, though. And like we discussed, like, you know, he's he hasn't been doing this consistently for a long time. At least with Keuchel, you you know what you're getting. He's been, obviously, he's on the downside, like downswing of his career, but you've at least seen what he can do. And you seemed really shocked when I said that he was. They're saying he's going to get you know sixty five to eighty seven million, and I think that's what he'll end up getting. He'll get like similar to what uh, what did Arietta sign for like three years seventy five million or something? I think Keiko will get like four years like seventy five to eighty five million, and that'll put him at like what thirty five years old, thirty four years old, something like that. So I mean, like he could probably still pitch a couple years after that. I don't. We'll see what happens there. I mean, I think those guys. Right. I mean, if he's in the Nationals, it, that's they're one of the other teams mentioned in the Blue Jays. Yeah, I don't. I mean, to, I'd really like to not see him sign with the Nationals. Yeah, I think that he'd be. Uh, he's a respectable number three, maybe a two. If you're at the Reds, he'd be the number one guy, right? No, they'd probably he'd be two. I w- they want to see they want to try to develop Casillo. Yeah, I think Casillo has like high level how much stuff. Pressure, but how much pressure does signing Dallas Keuchel take off of those guys? How much like does that take off? How much pressure does it take off Castillo? And maybe with a workhorse like that, maybe Robert Stevenson learns from him and becomes you know a workhorse or something. But I mean, I think I don't know. I don't really. It's just hard for me to expect anyone to want to sign with the Reds. I really don't want to see him sign with the Nationals. And at this point, like I could, I could see him wanting to stay in the AL, but there's a big difference in going from the Astros to the Blue Jays. But that would slot him at number three behind Sanchez and uh, Stroman, and he would make Toronto. a nice national. That makes pitcher. them a lot better too. Yeah, I think he, I think he would be. Even a three point six WAR last year is pretty solid. That's I don't, pretty. That's that, that's pretty decent. I don't remember ever seeing him swing a bat, but I think it'd be fun to watch him swing. <laughs> oh, it's probably bad. <clears throat> Everything I've read said that he's going to probably sign after Corbin does. Yeah, Corbin's which, the the big ticket, right? Yeah. As far as pitchers go? Yeah. Just because of the year he had last year. I mean, he was – the 6.3 war was fourth in all of baseball. His 246 Ks was fifth in the league. He had a 3.15 ERA. And I just read – Those you know, are all fantastic numbers. Oh, yeah. But like I said – How's his record only 11-7 and seven now? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's not like Arizona was bad last year. No, but they that's were the thing is, he's one of those guys though that they wait, you know, because I can't even say that about him last year. Because didn't he pitch over two hundred innings this year? Yeah, yeah. Because he's like the year before that, he was that guy that would give you five innings for four starts and then give you eight. But yeah, he. I mean, I don't know. I I'm happy. Well, I can't even say that I'm happy because the Braves are. Apparently, have talking to him, but I just I don't know, man. I don't know what you can expect out of him. He's you know talking to the Phillies, the Nationals, the Yankees, the Angels, and the Braves are the teams that are linked to him right now. Uh, Phillies, I wouldn't be surprised. Like they said, they're going to spend money. That would even bolster an even tougher. Yeah, fucking, that would make it a, a disgusting starting rotation for the Phillies. You add them to the Nationals. You've got Scherzer, Strasburg, and then him at number three. 
Or number two. I mean, I don't even know what number you put him at there. Two or three. Corbin and, and Washington? Yeah. But imagine that. Those those top three, Scherzer. Two or three, yeah. Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg is a one, two, three punch. Like, that's three heavy hitters in your, your lineup there. Um, Angels. They'd be right back to contender level. Yeah. I don't know that, man. Like, that would... That's scary, though, for you. It has to be as a Braves fan because it's like the, the Braves just got better, right? They just added yeah. Donaldson. So yeah, they're, they're better seeing... right away. But both other teams are looking to get better as well. You know the Nationals will not take more than one year of below average baseball. Well, like average baseball, I guess, compared to like other teams. But for them, it was a below average year. So they're gonna they won't something. stand for that. You already said Philly's ready to spend money. So... They won't stand for a team that fell apart in September and was borderline, uh, you know, playoff caliber before then. Yeah. So that's as as your team gets better, it looks like other teams in that division or even the the LOL Mets are trying to get better. It looks like. Yeah. At least like this year, well, it doesn't make until, any sense. But <laughs> until until they sign Kluber or trade for Kluber, I mean, I'm not worried about the Mets now. If the if he goes to any team in your division, you're instantly worried, right? Yeah. You have to be. Because he bolsters every, you know, every staff in that division. He's a he's a very, very, very phenomenal pitcher, and I don't want to see him in my division. So does Corbin. I mean to a lesser degree, but But see, but everybody that we're talking about has years of above average pitching. Corbin doesn't. Corbin really. doesn't, and that's, that's correct. like honestly, if I'm being a Braves fan that understands baseball, I don't want them to sign Corbin. I would rather them trade somebody for Bumgarner. Like I told you earlier, Kluber has pitched over 200 innings the last five years in a row. Yeah, we're not. I don't think there's any way we go after Kluber. But like I said, if if That'd be scary. What, what I want, I would rather go after Baumgartner in a trade than sign Corbin to a really long deal or really long deal with a small, small body of work that he's been, you know, above average at. Baumgartner, you know what you're getting. He's been healthy. He's worked through that stupid injury where he got his finger broken. Like I would rather trade for him. He's got twelve million left one season. You just signed Donaldson to twenty three a twenty three million dollar deal. Why not trade for Bumgarner? I'm not saying give up our top prospect for him for for a one year rental. Give them something like and I I love all of our pitching prospects and all that shit, but give them Tuki Tassan and some other you know mid level prospect. Get Bumgarner. Give me a full season of Bumgarner for that. And see what happens. And then what happens is, are you just going all in on this one year? This I want next year? a World Series championship. I mean, those guys would, you already have one of them. That's, but what's that the harm in there? What what happens? Both what happens? Would help. No, you're just out a little on your payroll, and neither this one year, of them have cost uh, an You're talking $33 million dollars for a guy that you know is going to pitch his ass off in the playoffs and a guy that could potentially win you the MVP. We have two an MVP winner. You won in 2015 in Donaldson, and you've got Freeman right there. Like, that would make all the sense in the world. It's definitely talking. worth it to shot. I'll say one last thing. It's definitely worth it to take a shot, even if it, like you said, is for one year, especially with their new stadium, 
that they just yeah, build. Yeah, why like, not? What better time than now? Yeah, I, I agree. And as long as you don't give up your the team, they've been building future assets for years and have one of the best young teams in baseball. So as long as you don't give up anything on that front, players that you're keen on keeping and developing, then do we it. Still have, give it a shot. We still have a ton of... Of prospects. It looks like you can't slow down because of these these other no, teams I mean, going to get better. So. We've got to do something because you know that the Phillies are going to get a good pitcher. They might not get Corbin. However, I bet you if they don't get Corbin, they're going hard after Keuchel and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, you can't. They could afford to add another bat to the Phillies, for real. I think they're going to get Harper or Machado, if not both. And that's the scariest uh, shit in the world to I me. Mean, imagine if they signed both of them. That'd be silly. I mean, it's stupid to think about, but just what if it happens? Don't you think both? You think both those guys would like being in the same clubhouse together? Oh, I think that would be a terrible idea. I think <laughs> to sign whoever signs Machado, like I don't think that it couldn't be a team like the Phillies or the Braves. I'm you a, can't have a young staff. I'm excited to see who it is, honestly. I'm a, I'm I'm to a lesser degree, I'm excited about the the Harper thing, but it's like it's it's really interesting what these guys did to their value. Harper had a really interesting year this year as far as average, as far as like power, as far as streakiness in a, in, in a contract year. Yeah. So, it it's really interesting to see what teams think these guys are worth and where they actually end up. Like, what, what Machado's value is and how much it took a hit after all of the, you know, on-the-field incidents in the playoffs last year. I don't know. I mean, the thing, like I was saying, is, like, Harper, I think the well, – anyway, I think we've discussed this. Like, Harper's not – he is a hothead, but he's not a hothead to the point where he's a shitty person like Machado is. But – He's still that guy that always, it just seems to always happen where someone gets pissed at him for not running out of ground ball or something or not hustling. Machado openly said he doesn't hustle. Why, if you, I could just, I'm going to put my my hatred about Machado aside for a minute, but like if I'm running a team and I'm a young, if I got a young core of team, like a young group of guys, I don't want Manny Machado to be the role model in my clubhouse. He can get away with that shit because of his his gifted, like, the gifts that he has. Not everybody has that. True. I don't want him teaching my other guys, like, well, fuck that. He's making $300 million a year, and he's not running out ground balls. I'm not going to do it either. And Harper had those issues with, uh, what was the fucking closer's name? Papelbon. He was, pa- he was a notorious hothead, though. Papelbon? Yeah, Jonathan well, Papelbon. Yeah, so was Harper. I he's he's toned it down a bit, I think, just but a lot of that is Harper's been how much Harper's baseball's golden boy. Him and try he's he's he does as he, as much marketing and, and advertisement uh, for for MLB honestly as as Trout does, and Trout is you know some of these guys even Mookie Betts you don't see everywhere. Uh, you don't see Jose Ramirez, and he was but a Trout, top five player. Trout in doesn't want to do that stuff, and I'm sure like. I'm sure that MLB is marketing Jose Ramirez down closer to the southern area. Isn't he from the Dominican Republic? Like, you can market him to your your Hispanic players down south. Like, I get that. But Trout just doesn't want to be the – he doesn't want to be the face of baseball. He just wants to go out there and be 
number one, number two, and MVP every year, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to market himself. I get that. Like Harper's got that that mentality and the personality to do that, but we can't forget that every year there's at least a couple incidences where he's spiking his helmet and getting ejected from a game for cussing out an ump and shit like that, and he randomly won't hustle. But I don't know. I just I don't him. I'll give a, a little a little bit more leniency too, but I don't want Machado to be in my clubhouse. I don't want him to be my role model. And I don't see them, I don't see why they're going to spend all that money on him. I just don't understand. Who do you take of the two if it's <coughs> only skill involved and nothing? Machado. Yeah, right? But I don't I don't want to I don't How close? It's him. close though, right? I just feel like at I least know the infielder maybe, is is more valuable, especially just by personal. We, I don't even want to power. talk. I don't even want to talk like defense. If you're just talking like offensive contributions, which is what these guys are getting paid for, regardless of their glove, which Machado is way better defensively than Harper is. Uh, a little, you you'd like to think a little defense matters. Yeah, right? but I mean, these guys are getting paid for offense. Like that's just the way it is. I would rather take the guy who's consistent than the guy who's going to give me twenty home runs in a month. And then give me twenty home runs the next three months or four months. You know what I'm saying? Like I would just rather have the more consistent guy, because I just feel like that guy that's consistent, then that should that should add some consistency to him mentally as well. Like there's a big difference in just going out and getting a hit every game and hitting a home run every couple games than to getting really hot and being like, oh, I'm gonna have a phenomenal year. And then it's like shit. Here we go again. How long is this going to last? And that's going to start affecting you. You're going to take it into the field with you. You're going to have it with you in the clubhouse. Like So I would rather have the, the guy that's more consistent. But I just, I don't know, man. I just can't fathom. I can't fathom the money that these guys are going to get, like, in the years. I actually thought about it this weekend, about trying to get my buddy Jordan on here. Because I talked to him about uh, the Donaldson thing. I was like, hey, did you see what my Braves did? And he said, lost in the first round. I was like, wow, that fucking hurts. And then I texted him about the Donaldson thing. He's like, stupid, not worth the money. Baseball needs a salary cap. I'm like, I'm going to start, I'm going to make a little segment just for you on my show where the ne- you're the negative Nancy and just tell me how much these guys are getting paid too much and how it's not going to work out and really put a negative spin on everything because I, I could really enjoy that. But I haven't really read a whole lot about the uh, the Red Sox doing a whole lot. I guess when you win the World Series, you don't have to do much, do you? No, I don't think so. Did see uh, Kimbrel's looking for a six year deal? I didn't really see. I didn't see a lot of like a talk about money or anything like that. I don't know if they'll keep him. Do you think? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's just the same thing. Like it's not like he's young anymore. And I really, I would have liked to see seen the Braves sign him, but not for six years. Like, that's going to be one of those deals where the last, I mean, honestly, with closers, it's not do even have, like. Do you ever see a six-year deal for a closer? Ever? I mean, if he was like 25, yeah, but not not at his age. The Reds just signed Iglesias to three years, I believe. I think that his was just to get him, get through his arbitration years, though. Okay. So they got him, like, at a much more team friendly contract than they would have gotten in three two or two years even. And then that just takes him through his arbitration years and then when he becomes a free agent he'll make big time money somewhere else. But yeah, if you could lock up if you could lock up Rossi Iglesias for seven years, six years even, 
fuck yeah, you sign him. But not Craig Kimbrell. At least I don't think. I love Craig Kimbrell. He's been like my favorite closer for a long time. But you just, you can't sign a guy at that age because closers, it's not like, even if you get, like let's talk about Cano. His contract, he'll be 41 when it ends. Even if, if he's not playing well, he tanks you. But he's still going to give you something. He's going to give you some home runs, some RBI. You're still going to get something. With a closer, when closers fizzle, like when they fizzle out, they don't go silent. Like they're just gone. Like out of the league, you eat just the drop money. them, you eat yeah. the money, and you call it a day. So what if you sign him to a six-year deal, you get three good years out of him, and then he starts struggling, and it's like, well, exactly. we don't need him anymore. No, Bye-bye. Yeah, nobody keeps a closer for six years anymore. No, not at his age. No, I just I can't see that happen. I understand why he wants that. There's only a few. Like, how, how long has, has Kenley Jansen been in L.A.? So that's the thing is I feel like closers just pop up out of nowhere. They're great for, like, f- five years. And then it's like, all right, bye. Unless you're talking about, like, you know, your Kimbrels, your Jansen, your Mariano Rivera's. But, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't, I don't want anything to do with him if he's wanting six years. I'd be happy if we got him for, like, two or three, depending on how much money he's wanting. But I don't know. I just can't see it. I haven't, surprisingly, haven't heard anything else about uh, Real Muto being traded, really. I haven't either. That he, poor guy. Yeah, he, I mean, he's going to go somewhere. They're not going to keep him. How much shittier is it to be him, though, with everybody else getting shipped out? And it's taking and you're the last one. The whole you're season? Like, Fuck, man. Come on, guys. And you know, one thing we didn't discuss is what you said earlier about Diaz, if the, uh, the, the Mets are terrible, which, let's be honest, they're going to be terrible. They could flip Diaz for some some good trade chips. Exactly. Exactly. During the uh, the big fire sale halfway through <laughs> which the season, which inevitably is going to right. Happen. I mean, <laughs> which is generally big, for, you know, before the trade deadline for competing teams that need closers. There's always a market. Imagine this. This is like, oh, this would be perfect. Not if you're a Mets fan, though. The Mets, oh, I just, I wouldn't even say it. That's just so negative. I, would, I don't want to wish that karma on them. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to do that. They no, do, they they're they're going to do it themselves, so I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, to this year. I think it's going to be a good year to be a Braves fan. Pretty pumped. All right, well, we'll uh, hopefully be back next week with, uh, you know, the one podcast in the world where we don't edit shit. What you hear is what you get. Yeah. Um, just because I'm lazy and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Like I said, follow us on Twitter, Jack in the Box 85 For me, Matt Bechtel on Twitter. See you guys later. Peace.